John 1, 32-34. Then John gave this testimony, I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, The man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. In today's passage, we see John give a testimony that Jesus is indeed the Messiah. It is sort of odd when you put several passages of John's life together because it appears that he had no idea his cousin was the Messiah until he baptizes him. He had been told by God that the person who the Spirit comes down and remains on is the long-awaited Savior, and this is the person he is to prepare the way for. He wasn't in Jesus' corner because they were family, but because God spoke to him and confirmed who would be the Messiah based on the Spirit's work. The phrase at the end of the passage in some manuscripts has been translated Son of God, but elsewhere we see another translation that reads God's Chosen One. I'm going to focus on that second translation because it is a bit unique, and I believe it can help us see something new today because of it. There is a connection to this phrase, God's Chosen One, in Isaiah 42, verses 1-4. through Listen. Here is my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen one, in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout, or cry out, or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. He will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on earth. In his teaching, the islands will put their hope. I'm struck that in the same passage where we see chosen one, verse 4 highlights the persistence unto which the Messiah will establish justice on earth. We love a good story about persistence. The one that comes to mind for me is the first Rocky film. All Rocky wants to do is go the distance with Creed, because then he would know he wasn't just another bum from the neighborhood. In the second to last round, Creed knocks Rocky down, throwing his hands up in victory. But Rocky stumbles his way back onto his feet and then motions his hands towards Creed to come back and fight. You can see by his body language how distraught Creed is. He can't believe the persistence of a man he thought a few hours earlier would be an easy knockout. This story of persistence is so popular that it still lives today as the series has morphed into a new set of movies chronicling the son of Apollo Creed. And yet this isn't the same as the persistence of Jesus. Don't get me wrong, I love Rocky. In the early 2000s, you couldn't find a single weight room that wasn't blasting Eye of the Tiger. But the idea of overcoming your adversaries by becoming better, stronger, and tougher than them, by wielding power to dominate, is not how Jesus operated. Instead, he functions in the opposite way. Jesus finds victory through defeat, life through death, and winning through losing. Just look at the cross, the central object of the Christian faith. It is an image that communicates death, failure, and pain. It would be an understatement to say that the dominant visual of our faith is a paradox. This reminds me of the hymn, His Be the Victor's Name, which beautifully articulates this paradox. Check out Zach Hicks' version of it. One verse says, By weakness and defeat he won the glorious crown, trod all his foes beneath his feet by being trodden down. Your word of encouragement today is this. 
the chosen one of God, did not wield power the way our world does. He defeated death by dying, sin by becoming sin, and shame by becoming shameful. He did all this so we no longer have to deal with these things, but instead are freed from them.